middle of the country, but not middle of the road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. Wichita, Kansas, and beyond. With Tommy Castor and Weston Mills, this is Keeper of the Games. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Keeper of the Games. We are the podcast all about sports in the air capital of Wichita, Kansas, and beyond. I'm Tommy Castor, along with the one and only, the legendary Blake Cripps, back on Keeper of the Games today. And Blake, I have to tell you that as happy as I am to see your face for this episode of Keeper of the Games, I just have to say it. I have to be honest. I have to speak my truth. Okay. You're no Jeff Goodman. <laughs> no. Uh, no let, if I'm a legend, I, I, I remember the first job that I had in Fairbury, Nebraska. And I'm there at the station for like two seconds. Like, hey, we need you to play this sub, like third tier level Harlem Globetrotters team for a benefit <laughs> at the ba- at the basketball gym at the high school to raise money for Fairbury Athletics. And, and we wanted to send you, you know, as a local celebrity. And I'm like, the idea of me as a celebrity is laughable at best and <laughs> pathetic at worst. Like, what are you talking about? I've been in this market for like two seconds and so the legendary, you know, I don't know what you had to drink before the show today, but uh, I appreciate your dishonesty. Oh, absolutely. We're glad that you could join us here on is this. The baby edition. here, is that, is that, is that yeah. official now? Yeah. So I, I was just about to get to that. So obviously okay. Blake is joining us here on Keeper of the Games. Weston Mills is not with us today because uh, he's got a brand new baby girl. Um, their, their, their baby, awesome. I believe her name is Parker, uh, was born on Thursday, I think afternoon or Thursday evening. Um, so uh, mom and baby are doing quite well, perfectly healthy and and happy. I talked to Weston a little bit uh, earlier on Tuesday, and and uh, I think other than being sleep deprived, um, you know, obviously very happy. So um, no ETA on when Weston will return to the program, but obviously he's got uh, bigger priorities right now than uh, than doing this show. So Blake, again, happy to uh, have you here on the show. What could be bigger than this show? I don't I don't understand that that train of thought. I don't get that. Well, you know, I, I can think of probably about 40,000 things that are a little bit more. Maybe uh, 50,000. Yeah, no, maybe, okay. maybe so. And I want to remind you to hit subscribe. That way, anytime we have a brand new episode of Keeper of the Games, you'll get a notification. That's the best way to know when we have new episodes dropping. Uh, perfect, a perfect example of that is last week we had a bonus episode that dropped out of the blue. And so the best way to know when we have a new episode is to hit subscribe. Wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, you can find us on platforms like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, all the major platforms out there. You can also go to our brand new website, cogsports.com. That's K-O-G sports.com. Listen to archived episodes there. You can watch our YouTube videos uh, and a whole lot more. And of course, you can watch full episodes on YouTube and Facebook by searching for Keeper of the Games. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at cogpod. That's at K-O-G pod. Let's get right into the show with our top story. It's been our top story for the last week or so since we've kind of known what's been going on in the world of Wichita State University basketball. We're going to follow up on this episode and talk more about the Greg Marshall situation at Wichita State University. Uh, Blake, I don't know if you had the opportunity uh, to to listen 
uh, to our uh, most recent episode, our bonus episode that dropped on, I believe it dropped on Thursday afternoon, uh, where I actually sat down with Jeff Goodman from Stadium as he talked about the investigation into Greg Marshall at Wichita State University. That happened on Thursday. Uh, Folks, if you've not listened to that interview, I would highly suggest you go back and listen to our our previous episode where we dive into that. It's a great interview with with Jeff. Uh, But then also some new developments in the last couple of days. In fact, a brand new development that happened uh, just a few hours ago, a new article from The Athletic followed up by the Wichita Eagle about how allegedly this behavior from Greg Marshall did not start at Wichita State, and it predated all the way back to his time at Winthrop University. So, uh, Blake, I'm not sure how much you had an opportunity to dive into any of this in the last few days or so, but uh, anything new stand out to you from what we know now? Well, I, I, I've I read, just for full context, I have read the entire Wichita State article. I have, I do have it up in front of me to refer to, and I did read the entire athletic article. So I've, okay. I'm very familiar. The Wichita Eagle uh, article actually dropped uh, as we recorded this. This would be yesterday for the people who are listening to the podcast. And uh, um, it's not good. I mean, it's not good. You know, the, the individual allegations – are they're just that they're just allegations. And so, you know, yeah, he, he was mean to players, you know, the, the fact that he was mean to players, you know, boohoo, that that's not as big of a deal to me. The bigger deal is the fact that this is, that this is demonstrated at more than one place. So that is that all of a sudden you already have your opinion, no matter who you are about whether or not this is a big deal, whether him saying these things to the Wichita State players, the Winthrop players is is bad enough to be fired. I'm not here to change your mind one way or the other of that for, for you, the listener. You've already decided this is bad enough that he's going to get fired or this is not not that bad. It's not that big a deal. These kids should just grow up. But the the fact that there is now a, a another report that this happened for years at a different stop, you know, is is concerning for a couple of reasons. Uh, there, the first of all, if it's happened more at Winthrop and we didn't know about it, could there be something else that is unknown that has not been reported yet? Because this is not something that we really dived into a lot when we talked about this a week ago. So it's not inconceivable that there could be more. And if there is more, obviously that would make it harder to keep Greg Marshall. And, and secondly, you know, the more talk that there is about this, there have been a lot of people who have said, and appropriately so very defensive of Greg Marshall. He's done a lot of good things in this community. He's done a lot of charitable work in this community and said, we need to let the process play out. We need to let the allegations come to light. But if there's more allegations, if there's more coming to light, at some point, something will have to be done. A decision is going to have to be made. And it really puts the athletic department, the the last point I will make, is it really puts the athletic department in a much more difficult situation because as this drags out, you know, this is not necessarily a part of what Wichita State is investigating. I don't think Wichita State really, you know, Certainly due diligence is a part of any investigation, but I don't know that necessarily what happened at Winthrop is within the scope of what the lawyers at the St. Louis law firm are doing. But the decisions that the athletic department are going to make almost have to be somewhat informed 
by what did happen at Winthrop, even though it doesn't have anything to do with Wichita State. You know, the, the, the narrative is going to continue going a certain way. The optics are going to continue going a certain way. And it makes the prospect of, of deciding to keep Greg Marshall, even with all the wins, even with all the positive things he's done for Wichita, it's going to make it more and more difficult to sell to the patrons of Wichita State and the faculty who have already started asking questions about, you know, why this has been allowed to go on so long, especially as close as we are to the season, less than a month away for, for the MIAA and D2 schools. I don't know if they've actually decided when the Division One schools are going to start yet. I think after November 25th, um, yep. you know, this puts all the players at Wichita State, the staff, sports information, media relations, everybody. And, as, and I feel really badly most badly for the players of Wichita State, puts them in a really difficult situation where you don't know if you're going to have your head coach the month before the season starts. It made what I thought was a really difficult situation last week even more challenging for Wichita State this week. So Greg Marshall released a statement in response to the allegations on Tuesday at Winthrop University. Uh, And for our listeners who have not yet read this article or have not heard about it, I want to read this statement from Greg Marshall. uh, And this is, and I quote, as I have stated previously, I am deeply committed to my players and the teams we have built together. I believe unequivocally in their value as athletes, as students, and as people. Any portrayal of me to the contrary is wrong. Throughout my career as a coach, I have devoted myself to empowering my players to achieve their greatest potential. That's the legacy I have built throughout my career, both at Wichita State and at Winthrop University. My nine years at Winthrop saw the Eagles achieve greater success than ever before. Not only did our players win on the court, but our team graduated all but one senior student athlete during my tenure. I am extremely proud of what we built together at Winthrop and will always reflect fondly on my years there. So that's the quote from Greg Marshall that he released in response to the allegations uh, about Winthrop University on Tuesday. Look, uh, it's <laughs> I've been attacked several different times based on my takes about this situation, some of which, okay, I can understand where people are coming from because they're passionate about their coach. They're passionate about their program. Um, A lot of it has been kind of what you just said, Blake. It's let the process play out. Um, You know, let's not rush to judgment. Let's not jump to conclusions. Um, I alluded to that in my interview with, with Jeff Goodman that I actually had a back and forth with uh, Mark Adams from ESPN on Twitter a few days ago, uh, who I felt like he was one of those, let's not rush to judgment kind of deals. But all I'm doing is I'm I'm looking at the body of work here. I'm looking at the overall collective of all of these allegations. I said this a week ago on this program to both you and to Weston. I said, look, I'm not at all suggesting that every single allegation is accurate in exactly the way it was portrayed. I don't I don't think that I mean, you can't be 100 percent correct all the time. Right. But where, but again, I'll say it what I said, you know, a week ago where there's smoke, there's fire. And obviously, you know. This is something that, you know, now now the whole scope of this whole thing has broadened out as far as its locations and as far as the the time period that we're looking at. What I find really interesting, going back to the statement that Greg Marshall made on Tuesday about his time at Winthrop, is there was really no 
specific denial of any specific allegation. Kind of the same way when he released his original statement about Wichita State. You know, he did say that, you know, he believes in the value of athletes and whatever, but he never refutes anything in there. All he does is kind of deflect away and say, we won a lot. We won a lot of games and I graduated pretty much everybody, but he never specifically refuted anything. I and will really, say- for the Wichita State, he did say he has he not did. struck a player. But, but that he was the second. That was the second statement he released. That he didn't correct. do it. He didn't do it the first time. He did it the second time. Which again, whatever timing, it, it is what it is. But that to me is concerning. To me, that shows a, almost a, not an acceptance, but kind, of, but a justification. Like, look, like I. You know, I think his original statement about Wichita State was, look, I'm an intense coach and my players value that whatever. Like it was a justification of the actions. It was not a denial or refuting of anything. Yeah, uh, the the biggest problem that I think Shockers will have with your position is the fact that there have been so many players um, that have come out in support of Marshall, like Jamie Ishinike, who is alleged to have had, you know, semi-racist things said about him. He has come out in support of Greg Marshall. You've got Nick Wiggins, who has come out and said, you know, Greg Marshall's never been racist. Um, We haven't heard that much from the big names like uh, um, Ron Baker and Fred Van Vliet. They have not said much about Not a word. They've not said a word. Anthony Early had that really cryptic tweet about, you know, what's chaotic to the the spider or the fly is normal to the spider, you know, and that that kind of thing, which I, I you know, I'll let you read into that, whatever you want to read into that. But for someone who is interested in keeping Greg Marshall around, which I think you can agree would be literally everyone with a brain who has watched Wichita State basketball uh, because of the success that he's had. Um, you know, th- there are a lot of things that they can point to, a lot of witnesses that they can point to who will say, oh, you know, Greg Greg is a nice guy. Greg doesn't do this kind of stuff. Um, the, 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 the challenge that the athletic department will have, obviously, is they can't just look at that. They have to look at everything. They have to look at the integrity of the university. They have to look at the integrity of their recruiting process about, you know, doing what's right by the student athletes that they have had, the ones that they currently have on the roster and of course the ones that they're going to get in the future um and that's that's a difficult balancing act for the athletic department and for uh the athletic director darren bowright yeah i i want to take a moment here while we're discussing this and you know i actually had um quite a bit of of reaction from people that i either know or people that i don't even know Based on the interview on Thursday with Jeff Goodman from from Stadium, you know, who broke the broke, broke the initial story. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. My motivation to bringing Jeff Goodman on the podcast, first off, I'm going to be totally I'm going to be totally honest and um, and and just kind of blunt about this. Uh, the fact that he did our little rinky dink podcast blows my mind. Uh, I certainly. <laughs> Certainly that was a, that not. was a great get for you guys, by yeah. the way. Getting I, somebody of his caliber on, right? You know, he's a national writer. You know that he was a that was a great get for the podcast. Yeah, I, I certainly, I certainly did not expect that. Uh, you know, one bit. Um, but my motivation in getting him on 
was simply the fact that he had done media in Wichita. You know, he had done interviews on radio. He had done interviews on television. And I thought, well, hell, if he's going to do that, maybe, you know, maybe he'll he'll do us. And he did. And, uh, but. Yeah, he talked to, he talked to Shane Ewing on Facebook for, God, I think like, I I didn't watch the whole thing, but, uh, and it's, by the way, hey, hats off to you, Shane, or that was a great get for you too. I don't know if it was part of cake, but it was like at least 20, 15 or 30 minutes. So, um, I mean, it's not like you were handpicking him to come here and nobody else. I mean, everybody in, in Wichita wanted to talk to right, him. So. Right. Um, but I, I had, I had, it was re- an appropriate interview to have. Yeah. I had reactions from people that, you know, I had people that, that, you know, made comments uh, to me um, about my lack of challenging him on anything. Um, you know, the, the, the questioning where, where it seemed like to them, uh, that I was alongside him the entire time, um, sort of shepherding him along, uh, where it, it, there wasn't a situation where I was, um, you know, uh, like I said, challenging him in any, in any particular way. It was kind of like letting him tell his story in a, uh, in a long form way that maybe he hadn't gotten from other outlets in Wichita. And I thought about that and I went back and I listened to the interview a couple different times and I'm not going to deny that one bit. I'm not going to deny that I didn't really challenge him on any of his points, but the more I listened to it, the more I was okay with it because I realized that the other media appearances that Jeff Goodman made in Wichita, he, I felt like was challenged quite a bit. And so I felt like in that regard that it was more than appropriate for me to sort of just let him tell his story uh, on in a long form way on, on this, on this podcast. Um, so I've been accused of being a part of this crusade to get Greg Marshall fired. That's not my goal. I don't have a crusade in this at all. Other than I, I want the truth to come out. This is a black eye on the city. It's a black eye on the program, the university fans. It's a black eye on just Wichita in general. I want the truth to come out. Um, you know, I said it on this podcast a week ago that as far as my personal feelings, I'm not a huge fan of Greg Marshall. I haven't been, I've had negative interactions with him, but that's certainly not leading me on a crusade to get the guy fired. Uh, it it just is a situation where I want, uh, I want it to be balanced in the city, I guess, as far as the coverage of this, if I have a crusade about anything, I guess I have a crusade about just the lack of, uh, balanced coverage on this in the market. Uh, and so I guess that's where my crusade comes from. I'm rambling on this. The bottom line is that um, the 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 sort of reaction I got from people on both sides of it shows me that this is a an incredibly contentious and really disheartening uh, situation. So regardless of what ends up coming out of it, it's just an it's just a a bummer of a situation altogether. Yeah, if you're in the city, it sucks. Yeah, it absolutely sucks. And and. Listen, I I know what this is like. I mean, going back again to Mark Mangino at at Kansas, believe me, I did not want Mark Mangino fired at KU for one second. Not one second did I want him fired. And I don't want Greg Marshall fired here at all. I mean, obviously, I hope that the stuff that he did is not true. And, you know, I don't know if I really understood being a student at KU at the time, I mean, is it possible? Am I allowed to maybe, uh, with through looking through hindsight with twenty twenty glasses, admit that maybe I wasn't the most 
journalistically, even though I was in, I have the Bachelor of Science in Journalism <laughs> plaque right here. You can't see it on camera. Maybe I wasn't totally impartial about that situation at Kansas. Uh, I think that may, maybe that maybe that's accurate. But I understand why Wichita State fans don't want him to go. This is the best era in the history of Wichita State basketball, and I'm certainly not not here to to make the decision for the Wichita State Athletic Department. But, you know, I, I do know that the longer this goes on and the closer it gets to the season, the more difficult of a situation it is going to get. Um, you know, like I said, I would never tell uh, Wichita State what they have to do in this situation, but it it does seem, I'm just guessing here, doesn't it seem like they kind of have to make a decision, whatever they decide, if they're going to keep yeah. him or if they're going to fire him? I mean, doesn't it feel like it's got to be like like November 1st? I'll be surprised if it's not done by November 1st. I'll tell Maybe you, when, even when, sooner. when Goodman was on this program last week, I asked him about the timeline and his response was, when does this podcast drop? Uh, it could happen as soon as then. That was last week. And, and you know, still, this is kind of dragging out. This seems to me that there's this goes a lot deeper than just Greg Marshall. Uh, I think that if if Darren Boatwright had uh, full control of the situation, I think Greg Marshall would be suspended. It leads me to believe that maybe Darren Boat- Boatwright doesn't have complete control of the situation. I'm not I'm not I mean, necessarily that, helping him. I'm just saying that maybe there are other people at play that are the ones that are going to be making the call on what's going on. I, you know, I, I mean, I'll, I'll just say that based on what I've seen thus far, that's that's a very large claim that I have not that I don't see evidence. I'm just saying that could be a potential. I'm just saying it's, that could be a reason why nothing, All I'm saying nothing is, decisively has happened up to this sure. point. I just want to make it clear my opinion. Sure. I don't have any reason to believe that Darren Boatwright is not in 100% sure. control of the athletic department. And for me personally, I don't think that there's anybody that I would rather have if I was a Shocker fan. And I am a Shocker fan. There's nobody I would rather have running my athletic department through this difficult time than Darren Boatwright. Darren Boatwright was there through a tough time when uh, Gene Stevenson was fired. He was there when they had to deal with the Jody Adams situation. Now, I know he was not the number one guy at that time, but he I know that they didn't just you know make that decision without consulting him. He was very high up in the athletic department. So for me, I believe he is going to do the correct thing for Wichita State. I believe that he will do whatever is best for the school and whatever is best for the university and the city. I, I, I have full faith faith, 100% confidence. I may not have 100% confidence that Greg Marshall didn't do some of the stuff that is alleged. I don't have 100% confidence. You know, I think if you have 100% confidence, you know, there's an awful lot of people who have who have given eyewitness reports. I mean, do you really not believe Shaq Morris and all these guys that went through and all these former shockers? You know, I don't have 100% confidence he didn't do that. He, he did nothing, but I do have 100% confidence that Darren Boatwright is going to make the correct decision for Wichita State 100%, and that he is in control of this department 100%, and will do the right thing for WSU. I am and, 100% confident in that. And, and, and I, I want to make it clear. I don't want to put you in a bad position. I don't want I don't want it to seem like... We're not talking for each other. You're talking for you. I'm talking for I'm me. Talking You're for me. talking for you. And that's totally fine. And, and I, I don't want it to be I don't want it to be a situation where I'm calling people out and then <laughs> no. you're associated with that. No, and I don't, no, I don't no. want to make you feel uncomfortable either. I will say 
No, you should, you, you need to take whatever your opinion is. You don't hold back because I sure. or Weston's on the show. It's your opinion, and you'll own it, and that's what makes you a good host on this show, and that's fine. You know, I, I'm happy to be on the show, and sure. my opinion's mine, and your opinion's yours. So whatever you have sure. to say, you say it, and you don't worry about don't don't worry about me. So at the end of the day, I think what would make me feel a little bit better about all of this, and uh, again, I'll, I just I want to close, and I don't I don't want to make this about me at all. I don't want to make this about right. yeah. um, how people have been are. responding to me, or like it's not. I don't want to turn this into me, 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 me. But what would make me feel a little bit better about this whole thing, as far as the process and the way that the community has approached it. There are people in this market, and you know what? I'm at the point now. I'm going to drop them by name. Where are they? I would love to hear from Mike Kennedy. Where's Mike Kennedy? I'd love to hear from Bob Lutz. Where's Bob Lutz? I'd love to hear from Shane Dennis. Where's Shane Dennis? Where are these influential voices in the city? Where are they? Now, I'm not gonna. I'm not asking them to come out and condemn Greg Marshall. I'm not asking for them to come out and and throw him under the bus. I'm just asking for them to come out and, and talk about it, to 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 start the dialogue, to start the conversation. Where are these people? And and they, I guess I guess Mike, if I have a crusade in any of this, it's not about Greg Marshall should be fired or not be fired. It's not that Darren Boatwright should be fired or not be fired. It's where where's the coverage? Where is that? Where is it? It's nowhere to be found, in my opinion. So let me just interject and say, you know, if you have a sports talk show, obviously, and I've listened to some of them and they, they have, I, I've heard it on, on in the morning, I've heard it in the afternoon. You know, obviously, you know, if you are ignoring this story, I mean, that's, that's insanity. This is one of the bigger sports stories that Wichita State has, has had this You this don't year. have to ignore to downplay. No, no, I, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to to get into the level at which the sure. radio stations are downplaying sure. it or not. But I mean, they, they should be taught what I'm, all I'm trying to say is they should be talking about it. If I might interject in terms of Mike Kennedy, you know, I can say a hundred percent, if something like this were to happen at Newman with one of our coaches, whether it be, you know, coach Allen on the men's side or coach Spence on the women's side, I can guarantee you that I would not be saying anything. And I think that if this happened with less miles at KU, I don't think Brian would be saying anything. You know, I, I didn't, I don't remember hearing Brian Haney talk about all of the, you know, Bill self with the Adidas deals and all that stuff that was alleged. You know, I, I don't think that it's Mike Kennedy's place to talk about this. He has built a relationship with a coach that is built on trust and mutual respect. And I think speaking out of turn like that, I don't think is the voice of the program, even though, yeah, obviously anytime that Mike Kennedy talks, I want to listen to him about Wichita sports because he's a great talker and such a fantastic personality, but he is an ambassador for the school. And so I think him going on his own with his own message, whether or not it is approved by the school or by Greg or by himself or whatever, I don't know is necessarily being the voice of a program myself and kind of being in that industry. And that's what I want to do. I mean, I would love, I would love to be Mike Kennedy or Brian Haney or Wyatt Thompson. I mean, that's my, that's my life goal is to do that job one day. And I'm thankful to be the voice at Newman university but I don't think it is that person's job to comment on these issues. They are representative of the school. And after the school makes a decision, 
I think that, you know, he'll have something to say as they preview the season. If they change coaches or if they keep coaches, he can kind of talk about that in terms of how it's affecting the team. But as of right now, about how it's being handled, I don't think that that's Mike's job. I don't think he should get into that. And and I, I think that it's appropriate that he has not. The sports radio stuff, if you're on a sports talk show, I mean, CBS Sports Radio is talking about it. ESPN Radio is talking about it. All these national places are talking about it. And and the, if you're on a Wichita sports show, you have to talk about it. I've been on that side of it, too. You have to talk about this story, whether it's good or bad. And you have to be honest. But for Mike Kennedy, as the voice to come out and say something, I don't think that's something that he uh, ought to be doing. And I, and I agree with him not saying anything. I do want to give kudos to the Wichita Eagle. Uh, I, I feel like they kind of got a little bit of a, a slow start to this a little bit. Um, you know, I think this was really led by national reporting for quite a while. Uh, but in the last several days or so, I, you know, I got to give a tip of the cap to Taylor Eldridge and, and Chance Swaim. Uh, you know, they, they've written some some really hard hitting articles, uh, including uh, a follow up about, uh, you know, that came out on Tuesday about the Winthrop University allegations, kind of piggybacking off of what the athletic uh, released. But they, they had some exclusive interviews in there as well. So hats off to them. I just want I just want coverage. I want balanced coverage. I don't want uh, the, the, the person who led the investigation to be villainized in the city. I don't want him to be celebrated in the city either. I just want, I want balance, you know, all the way around. I want balance in the coverage. That's all I'm after. And, and I think that we're, I think that's still, that's still a work in progress here in the city. Uh, I don't, and this has happened to every school. It's not hard. I mean, it's not easy. Let's think about Kansas state. Kansas state had that huge finance scandal. You know, if you, uh, nobody wants no Kansas state fans don't want to hear about that. You and I are both KU alums. We don't want to hear about the Adidas paying players. You know, we don't want our school to be involved with that. And I know Shocker fans didn't want to be involved with the Jody Adams thing when she got suspended for, you know, disciplining players to, you know, making them run at halftime of a game. And they certainly don't want to be involved with this. And, you know, the newspaper has got to be, I believe, I have a Bachelor of Science in Journalism. I believe in journalism. And I believe, you know, Maya was always told that the purpose of journalism is to figure out whose story is not being told and tell it. And, you know, you can't, anybody who has criticism of Taylor Eldridge, get out. I, I don't want to hear from yeah. you. I, I really don't want to hear from you. This is his job. It doesn't mean he hates Wichita State or hates Greg Marshall. You know, uh, these local guys at the local paper, it's their job to cover these stories, whether it's KU, Kansas State, Wichita State, or your local high school. They have to cover them with it's good and they cover them when it's bad. So if you have a problem right. with Taylor Eldridge, you know, my my opinion to do is to just leave me alone and let me never hear from you again. This, this is his job. You don't sign up to only cover. If you want to only cover the good stories, then you work in sports information. And by the right. way, there's nothing wrong with that. Tammy Cutler at Wichita State, phenomenal job. Love Tammy Cutler. She does a fantastic job. But if you are in the media and it's journalism, then you have to cover everything. And that's what Taylor Eldridge is doing. And, you know, I think his stories have been balanced. They have been fair. He has reported the facts that have been reported to him with citing sources. You know, so I don't want to hear about criticism of Taylor Eldridge. That, that's ridiculous. No, I, I agree with you. I think that he's done uh, a really good job uh, up to this point. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I'll close with this, and we've gone back and forth on it quite a bit, but I'll close with this. 
I 1000% agree with everything that you just said about journalism. Uh, my, my degree is not in journalism. It's in communications, but I took a lot of journalism cl- classes in college. Um, I 1000% agree with your take on that. Um, I don't agree with local media, regardless of the platform. I don't agree with local media kowtowing to whether it's a coach, a program, a university, a corporation, a business, a company, whatever. I don't, that's not the purpose of a free and balanced journalism. Uh, it's, it's, you're supposed to be an independent watchdog, an independent party reporting on the positives and the negatives and, and telling the story of those who are not being heard. Exactly what you just said. I don't think we're, I don't think we're there quite yet in with every platform in the city with this specific story. That's all I'll say. But yeah. And, and, you know, not that we're claiming to be reporters because I don't think what we're doing is reporting, but I mean, I do think that we do owe it to the audience to be honest. And if you know, you know, like I was always taught in play by play, like people will find out if you're a homer. When you listen to yep. a Newman game on the Newman Jets audio network, you better know immediately who I want. If if you don't know who I want to win, then I'm doing a terrible job at my a terrible job at, at doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You had better know within the first five minutes that I want Newman to win every game. But if at the same time, if Newman, you know, if all the calls are bad against Newman and Newman, you know, is just getting screwed out of everything, you know, people are going to know that they can't trust what I say. And at least when I'm on this show, and I know you and Weston feel the same way, you know, we're, we do not, there are no Skip Baylesses on this show. Right. We don't contrive our opinions to drive nope. ratings. That's not you know, not that we we can not that we would get ratings, <laughs> but we don't contrive opinions. We go from to, we go to, from uh, twelve listens to thirteen. Yeah, we we don't we don't contrive opinions to to either make people happy or piss people off. Yeah. It's, be, it's you are getting the honest reaction from Tommy. Obviously, Tommy is upset about it. I am not at, you know I am more laid back about it, but still, you know, concerned about things. And this is how I actually feel. This is how Tommy actually feels. We're not saying this to make people mad or to make you happy. This is our opinion. And that's as a podcaster, that's what you, or on the radio, that's what you have to do. It's what you should do. And if you're not, you're just being dishonest with your audience. And uh, I'm not going to do that. I didn't do it on yeah. sports radio. I'm not going to do it guest filling here uh, for Weston on this show. Right. And, and we certainly didn't, you know, I think to your point, it wasn't a situation where, you know, prior to recording, uh, I said, okay, my opinion is going to be this and your yeah. opinion is going to be like, <laughs> that's not, no, that's not the way that, that we're not it nearly that well organized. Yeah. Uh, and, and the other thing I'll say is that what you were just talking about as far as, you know, calling a game, being the voice, uh, you know, without getting too far off the rails. That's why uh, I think Joe Buck is so universally hated. And I think he's brilliant because he's not a homer for anybody for really. I mean, generally speaking, that's not his job. And so anybody tuning in, they're going to be a fan of one of the teams and they're going to be pissed off that Joe Buck is not sucking up to that particular team. That's not what he does. And so I really actually like Joe Buck a lot because he knows his role and he plays to it very, very well. Um, you know, so I think that that's just kind of a side note. Yeah, that I you have. have to know what people are supposed to do. Mike Kennedy is supposed to represent the university. Yep. The people in the sports information department of Wichita State are supposed to represent the university. It's not their job to report on what's happening. Yep. Taylor Eldridge 
does not represent the university. It is his job to report on what's happening, even if he doesn't want to. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to clarify, you know, in case anybody hears this and, you know, you're you're texting Bob Lutz or Shane Dennis or I have nothing against those guys at all. Um, I like Shane Dennis quite a bit. Um, I, I've spent some time with Shane before. Uh, I like them. Um, I just I want I want balanced coverage and maybe they're doing that and I just missed it. Um, I will say I did. I, I I've heard on Bob's show. I, I listened today. They did talk about it, and when it first came out with uh, with Bruce and Shane in the morning, they did discuss it. Now, you know, I, I can't say that I listen every single day to those shows. Have sure. they covered it enough? I would not even be willing to conjecture an opinion <laughs> on whether or not they covered it enough. I I'm just stating for the record that I have heard them discuss and acknowledge the situation and discuss it and give their opinion on it. So that that's all I wanted to point out there. I don't sure. have I don't have a relationship. I don't think Bob would know me from you know. Blake, any you know anybody uh, named Blake? I, he wouldn't know me from Blake Lively, you know. <laughs> so you everybody know, and, would know you from Blake Lively. <laughs> everybody would know Blake Lively from me, not the That's other true. way around. Uh, and Shane, I've talked. I have. I haven't talked to Shane for years. I had him on my show. He was great. Great guest when I was on. He was doing the. Uh, he was the director of operations for the baseball team. Had him on KGSO, but I, I don't have a relationship with either one of those guys. So, you know, I, I just wanted to state for the record that I have heard them talk about it. That That's all. I, I think we can move on. Yeah, there, there you go. And, and you know, again, um, we might be beating a dead horse with this topic. I don't feel like we are. I mean, I feel like it's relevant information. And if we, if there wasn't something new that had literally broken a couple of hours before we came on the air, um, I, I don't know if it would necessarily be our top story, but it is, I feel like a responsibility for a Wichita sports podcast, uh, to talk about no, it broke so, today. It's, it's fair of us to talk yeah. about the story. And if you have any, uh, if you have any complaints about the rundown at tweets from Tommy on Twitter <laughs> is where you should send at tweets from Tommy on Twitter. We're Believe all me, I've, you go. I've already gotten several of them and a majority of them come from Mark Adams at ESPN. <laughs> well, um, fair enough. So we'll, we'll move on from there. Uh, and, and again, who knows we could, I mean, we could have a decision in the next few hours, days, weeks. We have no idea. Obviously we'll keep you posted, uh, as we know. Okay. Enough about Greg Marshall for today. Let's get into our next topic. And that's the Kansas city chiefs on a, uh, a weird edition of Monday afternoon football, uh, on Monday, the Kansas city chiefs beat the Buffalo bills. Um, by a score of, I believe it was 23 to 17. Is that correct? 26, for the final score? 17, 26, 26, 26, 17, uh, to win by nine against the Buffalo bills in the rain in orchard park. And Blake, what I thought was just really telling about this win is that the chiefs continue to find different ways to win football games. Uh, that's been the big narrative about this Monday uh, afternoon football game against the bills was the fact that the chiefs really employed the ground and pound in this game against Buffalo, um, putting up the most rushing attempts and yards in the Andy Reid era to win that game. You have to imagine some of that had to do with the weather conditions uh, outside, but Clyde Edwards, Alaire was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and he wasn't the only one. Uh, Daryl Williams ran the ball great, had a touchdown. Darwin Thompson even had uh, some good uh, runs as well during that game. Um, 
you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, you always think about, you know, you hear this phrase quite a bit in football, like you never know what you're going to get with this team. And that's usually meant in kind of a positive and negative connotation. Like sometimes they play good, sometimes they play bad. You could say the same thing about the Chiefs, but not in a negative way. You never know what you're going to get as far as the way they win football games. Will Patrick Mahomes throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns? Will they run for three touchdowns and 250 yards on the ground? Will the defense come in and, and win the game for them? Um, I think it just shows absolutely how versatile this team can be. Well, uh, the biggest takeaway that I had from the game, and which I did not watch, I uh, was at work, listened to the entire thing. Uh, sometimes I like to do that because I get to hear the opinions of Mitch and uh, and Kendall Gammon. Uh, this year it's Dan and Hughes on the Chiefs radio network. And I kind of get to get their insight, which you get a Chiefs perspective on. Obviously, when you're watching the game, you know, although it's, you know, it's fun to hear. I think it was, wasn't it Jim and uh, Jim and Tony that were calling the game? I think it was. No, no, it was Joe. It was actually Joe Buck and, and Troy Aikman. Oh, so that's right. It was a Fox yep. game. Yeah, it was a weird AFC only Fox game, which, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's kind of weird. But, um, you know, I, I like to get the Chiefs perspective on things because the the Chiefs radio broadcast is focused on the Chiefs. So I, I got to listen. And the one thing that they really drove home to me is how much better the offensive line played. You heard play after play of how these holes were opening up in the rushing game. And I did watch the Oakland Raiders game and the Chiefs got absolutely whipped up front by Las Vegas. Las Vegas owned the line of scrimmage. That was not the case against the Bills. Chiefs played much, much better in the trenches, played much, much better defensively against what I thought was a superior quarterback in Jeff Allen. You know, Josh Allen. Sorry, Josh Allen. Uh, You know, maybe my opinion that the, maybe the Raiders are actually fairly decent last week, you know, uh, it's hard to figure out this Chiefs team really held Allen in check, Josh Allen in check, really held Lamar Jackson in check. Um, Derek Carr goes for 40 points and has a career game. Um, I come away with this having more respect for the Raiders, no less respect for the Bills, and it really makes me interested to see how they're going to piece together Mr. Livion Bell, which is also something we can yeah. talk about. That happened since the last podcast. Joining the Chiefs, yet another addition to this running game. And it's so refreshing to listen and hear that Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to make every stinking play in order for the offense to work. That you can actually have somebody run the football and pick up a first down. And listen, Patrick Mahomes had big throws down the seam, found Kelsey for like a 32-yarder to set up that last field goal. Patrick Mahomes did his job. Only threw for 225 yards, but terrible conditions. Still threw for two touchdowns. It was great to see other parts of the offense step up, and it doesn't have to all be about Patrick Mahomes. Credit to the offensive line, which was playing a little bit injured with some guys. Obviously, they've been without the doctor all year, but playing Mm -hmm. with some guys injured as well. Offensive line dominated this game against Buffalo, and they deserve credit, and the defense played much better. Anytime you hold Josh Allen to 14 of 27, that's barely above 50%. Only 122 yards two touchdowns and I know the late pick doesn't really count, but I mean, there was at one point where they had 
under 25 yards late, late in the game. They had nothing in the second half, uh, 25 total yards in the second half. So, you know, Kansas City defensively and on the offensive line absolutely showed up huge in this game, five and one. And Mitch said on the broadcast, he said, I don't want to make too much out of a mid-October game. But, man, when you think about the the playoff implications of this game and the fact that Kansas City and Buffalo will not play again this year, this was a really big win for Kansas City to come back after the Raiders, get to 5-1, and one, and, and moving forward right now for Kansas City. That's a really, really, really big win for the Chiefs. Yeah, of course, with the playoff picture, Kansas City's playing for that number one seed. Uh, it's it's less about the division title and more about the number one seed. And they got the tiebreaker now on the right. Ravens and the Bills. Exactly. That's huge because you have to imagine that those two teams are going to be fairly high up there as far as uh, the AFC playoff seeding is concerned. So absolutely oh, a big win. Why do I keep sinking, by the way? I keep sinking. It's bothering the hell out of me. My chair keeps sinking. Sorry. Those of you on... Oh. On on the audio, will not have any idea what I'm talking about. The video looks terrible. God bless America. Well, Sorry, let's be ahead. let's be honest. It doesn't it doesn't usually look good anyway. <laughs> not when I'm um, on so uh, offensive line, absolutely the MVP. I mean, I echo your sentiments there. And that was that was a concern coming into the game. Austin Ryder didn't start. Daniel Kilgore did on the offensive line for Kansas City. So Andy Reid made a change there. And then, like you mentioned, there were some injuries. Mitchell Schwartz went out with the back injury. Uh, but a couple guys really stepped up to open up those those big holes for the running backs for Kansas City. Mike Rimmers, Nick Allegretti, they both had great games up front. And those are guys that um, I'm not sure a lot of people really are familiar with, uh, but they had a great game up front for Kansas City. Allegretti and Kilgore got a ton of love on the yeah. radio broad. They, they, Dane and Hughes and Mitch could not say enough good things about those two guys specifically and the job they did in run blocking. You know, you mentioned the the Chiefs' defensive success with uh, quarterbacks like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. I would even throw Cam Newton in there. I, I know they didn't play Cam because uh, he was, you know, sick with COVID. But the fact that you know you you kind of have these quarterbacks that they've had success with here early on in the season. I think you're seeing quarterbacks that are a little bit more mobile that defensively Kansas City is having more success on, uh, but more of the traditional straight drop back passers like a Derek Carr. That's really going to expose the secondary a little bit for Kansas City. And that was one area that I don't want to say was an overall negative because there were some good plays. But I do think the Chiefs cornerbacks struggled a little bit. Rashad Breeland had a couple of big penalties on him. He had a hard time, um, you know, there were a covering, lot of penalties. Yeah. Uh, Charvarius Ward had a hard time covering Stephon Diggs uh, during this game. And so, you know, I, I think that when you have just a straight drop back passer like a Derek Carr, that's going to put a lot of pressure on the secondary. When the quarterback is more mobile and they're running out of the pocket, that opens up, you know, your linebackers and, you know, your front for to be able to try to you know contain him in the pocket a little bit more and, and I think that's why you saw the Chiefs defense having more success when Josh Allen ran the ball or when you know Lamar Jackson was running the ball so I, I think that might be a piece of it there but overwhelmingly the biggest thing that I think about is that you had Clyde Edwards Alaire that was running the football like a guy that doesn't want Le'Veon Bell to come in and take snaps away <laughs> no. from him I mean he ran the ball so well and you just think if you add in Le'Veon Bell and the kind of change of pace back that he can be for Kansas City. I think a lot of people forget uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire I don't think was really ever meant to be 
a uh, full three down back for Kansas City, right? I mean, I think he was meant to be, you know, to come in and he was going to share snaps with Damian Williams to start the season before, you know, Damian opted out, you know, for the season due to COVID. Oh, so, I'm sure that Will- Williams would have been the number one guy in yeah, my mind. Right. And he They would have changed pace. And, you know, that's something that they mentioned in, in post game, I believe, that, you know, the offensive mind and the general manager, they still had the idea, you know, we want to mix in the run with multiple running backs. And he said, you know, they probably still do. And it kind of hedges your bets against injury because right. if you have a Le'Veon Bell and he's your only guy and he goes down, you don't often have, unless you're the Kansas City Chiefs, which seems to just, you know, pull running backs out of thin air every single year, you know, Typically, there is a drop-off and a dramatic drop-off uh, to the next running back. Now, I don't know if that's Andy Reid or a tremendous general managing scouting department, or maybe Eric Bieniemy is the best play caller in the history of football. Uh, you know, it's all and, the above. And, it's and all Patrick, the above. Having Patrick Mahomes, I have to say, probably helps the run game. I, I'm I'm not a I'm not an expert, but I have to believe that that's probably the case. And the fact that the Chiefs have so many weapons on the outside probably helps the run game. The offensive line has something to do with it too. You know, it'll be interesting to see what the rotation is like between Edwards Hilaire. Cause I'm sure if you're Edwards Hilaire, you're like, you know, give me the ball 15 times, give me the ball 20 more times. You know, I'm going to let me be the guy. And the other thing too, is now that they have that, what happens when Williams comes back next year? I know this is like way longer out than the scope of this conversation needs to be, but that's the scariest backfield maybe in Chiefs history with those three guys <laughs> yeah. at the same time. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I've talked to a couple of different people that I know uh, that actually the conversation started because they've got uh, Clyde Edwards Elaire on their fantasy team, and they've been like, "Man, maybe I'm both coming in." You know what? What you know what? The, what is that going to do to you know Ceh as far as his fantasy value? And I actually think this is going to give him more opportunities to be successful because you get to use Clyde in the way that he was intended to be used at the beginning of the season as, you know, in tandem with another running back at the beginning, it was Damian Williams. Now it's going to be Le'Veon Bell. Uh, And so I think that that helps out quite a bit as far as his opportunities. He doesn't have to be a workhorse. Uh, He doesn't have to get worn down by the end of the season. I think it helps keep him, you know, keep him fresh for sure. Uh, all that being said, are you a fan of the Le'Veon Bell signing? I know a lot of people love his talent, don't necessarily always love his attitude in the past that he brings with him. Um, are you a fan of this signing for Kansas City? Well, I, I think for me, um, I'm always going to be okay with adding another quality running back like Le'Veon Bell just because of the injury situation. You know, the, the with the injuries that can happen – it's always better to have more great running backs. And you have to remember, you know, there have been times where, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has not necessarily been explosive. The Buffalo game was the only game this season, I believe, that he's averaged over four yards a carry, maybe 4.2. He averaged four yards a carry against, yeah, here it is, the Raiders, four against New England. We do do some research on this show. Um, you know, he, he hasn't exactly <laughs> a little bit, just, a tiny just, bit. <laughs> just been unbelievable, um, you know, 
6.2 against the Bills. So it's not like he's just been absolutely blowing up. He has no rushing touchdowns this year. So for me, it's not like it's not as if he has been coming in, averaging five yards per carry the whole way, scoring all these rushing touchdowns. I'm not saying he's not helping the team in other ways because he is a reliable pass catcher and he does stretch the defense in different ways. He's had two games, I think, that have had an average of over 10 to 12 yards per reception. He averaged 13 against the uh, Vegas and five for 70 against Baltimore. Even though he's not scoring, he's helping the Chiefs score. And so I think that he's going to continue to be out there when the Chiefs have the ball on offense at any part of the field, no matter whether Damian or, or sorry, whether uh, Le'Veon Bell is, is part of the package or not. And maybe there's going to be some packages. I mean, Far be it from me to suggest to Eric Bieniemy what he should do, but what about having a package where they're both out there? I mean, I think that there are things that they could do with both of them on jet sweeps and having one be a decoy for the other. So I don't think that this will necessarily, as you said, you know, I don't really care about fantasy. Is it, Are his rushes going to go down? Yeah, probably. Are his touches going to go down? Probably, but in terms of wins, I don't think that it's going to hurt Kansas City to have Bell out there to be able to rotate in. So for me, if you can get a good player at the price that they got Bell at, which was basically chump change, you know, just for half a season, yeah, just do that signing. I have, just like I have full confidence in Darren Boatwright at Wichita State, I have overwhelming confidence in Andy Reid to control the culture in Kansas City no matter who comes in you know he dealt he made Terrell Owens not just manageable in Philly he made him look almost docile in Philadelphia Terrell Owens okay got him to come in and play with a broken ankle and almost win him a freaking Super Bowl Terrell Owens, the one of the biggest divas whiners in the history of professional sports. So if he could deal with T.O., so whatever. If he could deal with T.O., Le'Veon Bell will be no challenge at all for Mr. Andy Reid. So Kansas City gets through their uh, pretty brutal four-game stretch with the Ravens, Patriots, Raiders, and Bills going 3-1, and one, their lone uh, loss, obviously coming at home against the Raiders. Their schedule gets a little bit easier uh, before their bye week. Of course, their next Just game is Sunday afternoon. Actually, a lot easier uh, the next three weeks before they're their bye. The Jets. Yeah, they're on, they're on the road uh, going to Denver to take on the Broncos on Sunday afternoon. The Broncos... They did just win. They beat the Patriots in probably the most Does boring that mean game. Anything now? Yeah, the most boring game I've ever watched. Uh, they beat the the Patriots eighteen to twelve uh, over the weekend. Then from there, uh, the Chiefs are back at home against the Jets, and then they take on the Panthers at home as well uh, before they go uh, on their bye week in the middle of November. Yeah, the Jets are zero uh, five and got. Oh, <laughs> they got shut out by the Dolphins last week. Yeah, Man, I think that I think that that, terrible. that Jets game is going to be one Blake where uh, I think you you probably don't even need to dress Clyde edwards Elaire. <laughs> just let Le'Veon Bell go. Just let him go up against the Jets, and he'll run for f- four hundred yards and eight touchdowns against him because uh, I'm sure he's got so much venom against his former team and, and Adam the, Gase. And then the Panthers, and I mean, do we think that? Uh, McCaffrey is McCaffrey going to be back? Is no. I know he I know he Doubt got it. hurt pretty seriously. Yeah. Doubt it. 
they were thinking that he might be done for the year. I don't, you know, I don't follow the Panthers at all, but you know, do we really feel like the Panthers are going to be the team without McCaffrey? That's going to stretch the chiefs. I don't think that I don't think that at all. For sure. So that's their upcoming schedule. Of course, we'll talk more about uh, the recap from the Broncos game and look ahead to the Jets game uh, next week on Keeper of the Games. Let's get into some college football action. Uh, And of course, if a bad season could get any worse for the Jayhawks, uh, it certainly has on the football field as Puka Williams has opted out of the rest of the 2020 season, citing family and health Reason. So Williams is a junior. He's been the Jayhawks leader in all purpose yards in each of his three seasons on campus. Blake, is there any chance we ever see Puka Williams in a Jayhawks jersey ever again? No, and I don't believe him for one second that he's, oh, family and health and the most important things need to be with his mother. Not that he doesn't love his mother, um, but that that's why he left. Please. You know why he left? Because KU stinks at football. Why would you want to play here? They've got the new rules. He gets to keep his eligibility. He's going to go somewhere else and play for a not crappy offensive line with a team that will actually give him the football. And he's probably going to run for about 5,000 yards. And we're going to say, wow, geez, if only we had people like KU who could coach, maybe we could have watched this. Why would you want to stay? Why would you stay in Lawrence if you had a, a rule that was in on the books that let you leave? Why would you want to stay? KU's horrible. I don't even, you know, I don't believe that he's doing this for health or his mom. And by the way, I don't blame him. I don't blame him for doing this. Puka, God bless you. You actually made me feel like I was watching a real football team at certain different times while I was watching KU. When I really wasn't, I was just watching you because you're the only good player that we have. So thank you for suffering through two and a half terrible seasons where KU won, what, like six games while he was here. How do you have a talent like Puka Williams and you win six games? Six games with the best running back in the Big 12. What a joke. So I don't blame him at all. I don't believe him, and I don't blame him. Get out and save yourself and get get some – feel like what it's, what it's like to win in college for a change. Get with a real program that's actually going to give you a chance to get better film and get to the league. You know, when, when he gets to the league, and I think he will – do you think that there's any chance he's going to say, you know, when Sunday night football comes on and here's the starting lineup for the San Francisco 49ers, Puka Williams, Kansas, no, no chance. Whoever he signs with next, even if it's Missouri science and technology, that is who he will say <laughs> as his team at, on NBC Sunday night football. We have wasted Puka Williams, whatever. We wasted Puka Williams, and it kind of makes me sick. You know, we. We did not deserve – the fans deserved him. Fans love Puka. I think he said that as well. KU did not deserve Puka Williams. The fact that we got him was a fluke, and we're not going to see another guy like Puka Williams boring some demonstrative change in Lawrence. No, it couldn't you know, get any worse. We're, we're, you know, we're kind of doing this as KU fans this year, looking at Khalil Herbert and how he's playing for Virginia Tech. I mean, he – yeah. He was a guy that really, I mean, you saw flashes of how great of a running back he could be at Kansas. And then he goes to a place like Virginia Tech and a I don't real I don't, program. His stats are stupid this year. Like, I don't even know what they are off the top of my head, but the, he's averaging like, I don't know, like seven yards a carry. He's had these rushed for like 
seven touchdowns. I mean, like he's had so many rushing yards and it just is maddening. Like you had this talent in Lawrence. He left and now he's putting up these big numbers. And I've got no doubt in my mind uh, that Puka will do the same thing. To your point, Kansas is, is they're what? Oh, and five, oh, and four. Oh, and five, whatever. It doesn't matter. They're not winning a game this year. The record doesn't matter. They're not going to win. If Kansas, not happening. if Kansas was four and zero or five and zero or hell, if they were even two and two, I don't think you see this decision from from Puka Williams this year. There's there's not a chance. I mean, it's I I agree with you. There are other things going on. He, it's a nice way of saying I'm sorry, Jayhawks fans, but peace out. I'm going yeah. somewhere else. And who can blame him? Like I don't blame him at all. Like go go get yourself a program where they're actually going to showcase you and give you the best opportunity to play on Sunday. He's going to play on Sunday. He's going to make it to the league, but give yourself an opportunity to be drafted higher by going to a different program where they can actually showcase you the proper way. Uh, Boise state found a way to make Montel Cozart look like a good player. Are you kidding me? This is a guy that's from this area, and he just comes down here. He stinks for us. I never thought he was going to be a good quarterback after I watched Bishop Carroll totally wreck his world in the 2012 5A State Championship game. I think this is supposed to be our quarterback. Boise State found a way to make it work. This is not a Les Miles or David Beatty problem. This is a University of Kansas problem that our football team sucks Every stinking year, they're terrible. What do we even are we are we doing a preview now? Is that what's next? Where's the well, phone? I'm just, are we I'm doing just, a preview next to the Sunflower Showdown? I'm just going to preview. You, okay. KU loses by a thousand points to Kansas State. It's over. It's over for KU football. Well, so that answers that answers my question because as of right now, the Wildcats are a twenty point favorite. Uh, in the Sunflower Bet Showdown. your life on this. Yeah, KU that's not, not nearly 20 enough. 20 points. 20? 20 points. Yeah. I would bet everything. 30 points. Kansas State fans, this is going to be your your Blake Cripps stimulus, okay? You know, <laughs> the, you don't know if you're getting any more Trump bucks. You don't know if you're going to get another stimulus. Go bet your life savings that KU loses by 21 or more points to Kansas State. There is no chance. And I listen, I don't say this because I want this to be true. Just like we were talking about the Wichita State thing. I love KU football in a way that's not healthy. Okay. But this is a fact KU stinks. Kansas State has a real coach and a real program. There's no chance, no chance in the world unless Kansas State has half their team quarantined and has to run the Manhattan Indians out there that KU is keeping this game within 20 points. There's no chance. I'm sorry. So I, I have to say, I read this article um, about um, about the Sunflower Showdown. And uh, a defensive end for the Wildcats, Wyatt Hubert, was quoted where, and I don't know exactly the wording he used, but basically saying that KU football gets really amped up for the Sunflower Showdown because it's like it's like their Super Bowl. It's like KU football <laughs> it is. Super Bowl. And my response to that, and I tweeted this, is that, yeah, because the best Super Bowls are the ones that finish with a final score of 63 to 7. Those are... <laughs> 
Those are always the most fun Super Bowls to watch. Oh. Um, the, while KU football may get amped up for it like a Super Bowl, it certainly will not be an outcome like the Super Bowl at all, where it's a classic nail biter. Um, though the Wildcats will blow out the Jayhawks. Um, I put money on that to happen. I absolutely, and I'm a KU fan. Did, are you money, are you putting your land subscribe? I already did. I already did. I put. In fact, I put the bet down on Monday when the line opened at 19 and a half. What, what uh, and, odds did you get on that? Um, is or is it just it, money line? It was just money line. Okay. I um, well, I guess I did put money on them covering the spread. I take that back. So I think that I think that K State was minus one ten uh, on that bet. And so, I mean, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't double my money. I would come close to doubling my money in, right. that, in that regard. But I'm like, it doesn't matter. That's free money. That is free money that I'm putting on there right, right then. And so I did that. Uh, uh, and, and so it is what it is. But uh, yeah, obviously K State will kill KU. Any they didn't have. Here's the thing, Blake. Eleven games in a row they've won in the series. They, but wait, eleven. Well, let's put this into perspective. KU didn't have a chance with Puka Williams. No. They absolutely will not have a chance no. without him. There is there is no chance. We still don't know who the quarterback is going to be. No. It looks like maybe Miles Kendrick, but Thomas McGetty is also say, available. But yet Jalen Daniels is also – who knows? I don't know. Who knows? I, I, I will say, going back, we didn't really talk about the West Virginia game, um, which I listened entirely on the radio. A huge shout-out to my dear friend, Jimmy Chavez, who covered for Brian. Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, can, so happy that Brian is okay and that he's not uh, – he's totally asymptomatic, didn't have it, but because of the protocol and Hawk Talk, uh, was not allowed to, to – to, travel with the team just like Les Miles was was held home so yep. um, Brian's been a huge supporter of mine in my career too so I'm super happy that Brian is healthy as well but you know people don't realize how hard it is to get division one jobs and to get a shot at doing division one football and for Jimmy Chavez to get that opportunity to get that tape on his resume there's so many things that could have happened in that game at the very end how appropriate is it that Puka's last touch as a Jayhawk as a touchdown that could have been a touchback that could have been kicked out of bounds sure. and and the fact that Jimmy Chavez got to call a touchdown and he nailed the call guy I I was so I lost my mind when I heard him calling the game and, and, and you know because- what to, to be completely fair uh, we, we've, we've spent an awful lot of time absolutely bashing the KU football program for good reason. Yeah. The, it wasn't all negative against the West defense Virginia. played well. I thought the defense was okay. They hung it. They hung in. You have to remember they gave up a lot of points. Okay. I yeah. thought the defense played well. And here's why. If the offense does nothing, you cannot put these guys out there for a hundred snaps with no rest. You don't get any first downs, how many times do they have to go out and make a stop? They created turnovers. They got they got punts. You can't just like we talk about with the with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs about how they, you know, they can't be all on Patrick. The offense did nothing. The offense right. did zero. They had the 10 first quarter points, which, yeah, that's great. Pat yourself on the back. Woohoo. And after that, they didn't score the rest of the game. And the I'm going to tell you right now. Played well you, enough to win. I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm not going to belabor this point because we need to move on, but um, Miles Kendrick is not a Division One quarterback. I don't he's, think just, that, he's just not. 
I don't think Kansas has any Division One quarterback, sadly. But right. there were positives. There Let were. me give credit to the defense. They played very well. The defense gave Kansas a chance to win that football game, and they played their guts out. Yep. I give you know, and I've been very like you said. I've I have crushed KU football on this. Um, I do want to be very clear. If you're going to the game, and this is my opinion, not yours, you can hot take horn me if you want. Don't ever boo the student athletes. I don't care if they're zero in a trillion. Yeah, don't do not boo KU football players. The 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 defense they came with a lot. It would be easy for them to just throw in the towel and say, you know, to hell with this season. We're bad. The defensive players showed up and they played their guts out against West Virginia, which had been, by the way, a, a pretty good offense in several games this year. Held them down. You cannot expect them to do everything right. when the offense provides nothing in the last, you know, outside of the first 10 minutes of the football game. So I, I say this all jokingly, um, but uh, but maybe Les Miles should, should uh, stay home more often because <laughs> uh, they actually looked better without him there. Um, I, I say that joking. Um, and obviously it's a good thing that he's healthy. And, and you know, can they translate some things for, to Kansas State? I don't know. You know, Kansas State has had don't a couple of weeks. Breath. Don't yeah, hold your breath. I, I'm not going to. Kansas State has had a couple of weeks to prepare. Uh, I, you know, we've both agree that Chris Kleiman is doing a better job coaching his team in Manhattan than Les Miles is in, in KU. In uh, Lawrence, uh, you know, like I said. Bottom uh, line is that the, the line could be 40, and I would still take no. Kansas State to cover the spread. I've um, got Kansas State. Plus 38 in this one. Plus 38. Go. Which, by the way, what was my line in the West Virginia game? I think I actually got pretty close. Didn't I say something like 28 or 21? I I mean. I don't know. That I sounds that like. Pretty close. That I'll sounds go like. Back re- and review the tape on that. That sounds like revisionist history to me. But uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Let's stay, let's stay very briefly on KU. But we're going to switch to the hardwood instead of the gridiron. Uh, the big announcement came. Puka Williams was not the only uh, athlete at KU to leave his respective program in the last week. Silvio DeSosa is leaving the Kansas basketball program. So he will not be a part of uh, the Jayhawks squad. It basically ties a bow on a very strange career from someone uh, with the University of Kansas when you had all the issues with him originally getting cleared to play, then the improper benefits allegations that caused him to set out for a period of time, and then last season with the fight at Allen Fieldhouse against the Wildcats where he was suspended for, I believe, 12 games or so, and now he will not be playing for the program uh, this season saying that he uh, needs to deal with some personal issues. How big of a loss is this for the the basketball program at KU? Oh, I I don't think it's any loss whatsoever. KU Bill Self brings in great players every single year. Um, you know, going back to kind of the it's it's a similar vein of conversation that we had about Wichita State earlier. It's odd to me. And listen, I love Bill Self. You know, my alma mater is Kansas. Bill Self has been the coach of the Jayhawks since I started going to school there. And I've been looking forward my whole life to going and seeing Roy and, you know, Roy ripped my heart out and, you know, let it bleed all the way on the plane to Chapel Hill in North Carolina. I love Bill Self. Bill Self kind of recruits some knuckleheads. Yeah. You think back to Silvio De Sosa, J.R. Giddens, Micah Downs, 
CJ CJ Giles, Brandon Brady Green. Morningstar, Brandon Green. You know, where's the coverage on this? Like, how many players we have people transfer out every single year at Kansas? You know, why is it that talked about? Is this a problem? I don't know. Uh, you know, Bill Self wins conference championships. I guess I I I use the scale more to think about the Frank Masons of the world, the Devon Dotsons of the world that he has coached, who are such great guys. The Micah Lightfoots, you know, the the, the people like that. Mitch who Lightfoot. Have, oh, yeah, sorry, Mitch Lightfoot. Those guys that he has brought in and coached, Sharon Collins. You know, and I'm not saying all of them have been perfect. Harry Ellis. Not not all of them have been perfect after KU, but so many of those guys have been so awesome on campus. Perry Ellis, obviously, right here in Wichita, has been such a great guy on and off the floor. I guess I put more into the guys like Frank Mason and Perry Ellis than I do the, I mean, the absolute idiots that he has also recruited. No. So am I, did we miss, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, all those guys that I listed, that were on the knucklehead scale, pretty highly rated, right? Sure. Um, pretty highly recruited, highly touted, skilled players. Uh, I mean, did we miss any of those guys? I didn't. So I'm not going to miss Silvio De Sosa. Thank you for your service. I'm glad you didn't hit that Kansas State player in the head <laughs> with a steel chair. Um, it would have been great if we had JR, good old JR on the call there uh, from the WWF, but. No, we're, we're not. My God, he's going to hit him with a chair. My God, what an impact. Um, um, yeah, no, so I we're think not going to miss Silvio de Sosa. This absolutely puts more of a priority on guys like David McCormick and Mitch Lightfoot in the front court. They wanted uh, to play Mitch anyway. Hawk. Right. They were going to be the main guys anyway. Um, I it basically, I think, ensures that KU will continue to play the kind of basketball that they've been known for the last few seasons or so. And that's four guards and one big man. I think that's probably what you're going to be looking at for sure. Uh, and then, you know, you've got a guy in, I believe you say his name, I think it's pronounced Jethro, but it's with a G. I think it's Jethro Muscadine, uh, who is an incoming freshman for the Jayhawks. So there were some questions about what he redshirt this year, uh, but now there's a chance that he, he could play a pretty important reserve role with Silvio DeSosa gone. So all of that to be said that uh, Silvio will not be returning to the Jayhawks program. So uh, I wonder if he and Puka hopped on the same plane <laughs> out of Lawrence. I'm not sure if that's the case or not. Pretty different circumstances. It it, de- it certainly does sound like in this case that there were things that Silvio needed to, you know, leaving KU football is totally different than leaving Kansas basketball, 2020 yeah. Big 12 champions, and, you know, on the cusp of what I believe would have been a national title opportunity that was taken away last year. KU ain't even close national title, Big 12 title. We're not they're not even going to win. They're not even going to win a game this year. So leaving that program way different than Silvio De Sosa leaving a blue blood program. Yeah, way but, but KU football just like every other college football team is eligible for a bowl game this year. Oh, so oh, oh thank God for that. You know. Yeah. We'll be playing in the uh at this point, at this point, honestly, they wouldn't want KU football at the Shrine Bowl coming up next fall. They wouldn't want no, they wouldn't. No, why would you want KU at the Shrine? <laughs> Nobody wants to watch this team play. I'm sorry. Defense, keep it up. I love what I saw last week out of the defense. 
Let's see. That's the only way. If if they if the defense does not show up against Kansas State, this is going to be a massacre. They they have got to limit the touches for the Kansas State offense if they if they want to have any chance in that game. K State by at least forty is uh, is still my prediction. You say thirty eight. Can- you say yeah, thirty eight. Did I say thirty eight? I'll yeah, keep it thirty eight. Yeah, Kansas State plus thirty eight. That's I'm going. Opinion. I'm going. K State like plus forty two is my prediction. And in, in the Sunflower Showdown, we'll of course talk about it more next week on the program. Before we get out of here, let's very quickly get into our Wichita Whip Around. Again, it's another prep football update. We like to kind of wait till the end of the show to kind of break down some of the things that we saw around the Wichita Metro in prep football. Of course, week number seven wrapped up just a few days ago in the City League. Uh, Blake, I thought this was a really interesting game. We talked all about how big of a game Northwest and East High was, and the final score was one that surprised me. It was a, looked like a defensive battle for most of the game as Northwest got the win against East by a final score of 17-2. to two. An interesting yeah. score there for Northwest, but they get the victory. Yeah, I did, did not think that East would hold Wichita Northwest down like that. Uh, Northwest clinches another City League championship. All the credit in the world to Steve Martin. They've got Wichita South next week, which is in that second tier. Uh, they're in the top five in the latest rankings from Varsity, Kansas. Uh, obviously, again, if people are not aware, Bishop Carroll and Capen did not play a City League schedule, were not eligible. Uh, in fact, Battle for Tyler Road did not even happen between Carroll and Northwest, which would have been a, a absolutely monster game. But yeah, uh, Wichita East, I mean, to me, when you hold Wichita Northwest to 17 points, now obviously the Northwest defense dominated the Aces. East is for real. That That's a real program now. Let's see what happens with them in 2021 when everybody in the City League is back together. Because let's be honest, you dodge Bishop Carroll and you dodge Cape and Mount Carmel and they're looking much improved under Weston Sharts. That's going to help your morale when you're beating up on the other public City League public city league schools. But I'm imp- I don't come away thinking that much differently about Northwest. I'm super impressed with Wichita East and the way they played the Grizzlies. Southeast shut out North by a score of 55 to zero uh, on Friday. Um, not probably, you know, not a surprise there for sure. Uh, with that game, Heights beat South by a score of 51 to zero. Again, probably not a total surprise there uh, for that game. An- what you want to talk about a surprise and a shocker? Mays beat Derby by a score of 36 to 35, handing Derby their second loss of the season. Seems like a shocker. Are you surprised by that, Blake? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, Derby had won 29 straight games in the ABCTL, which dated back like to 2014, I think. You know, Derby does not lose City League games. Like since Coach Clark has been there, they have been absolutely dominant. And, you know, Scott Adams gets the game-winning interception with less than a minute to go with, I think, 57 seconds left. Uh, Phenomenal job for Mays. Mays has had seasons and stretches where they have been absolutely elite. And also, consider the fact that they were down by nine entering the fourth quarter. They were trailing 35-26 and scored 10 straight points, shut out Derby, put together a 10-play drive over five minutes off the clock. Josh Sanders with the go-ahead touchdown on a one-yard run to, to take the lead in that game, you don't hold Derby scoreless in the game. All the credit in the world to the Mays Eagles uh, to, to beat Derby like that. 
I cannot remember the last time that Derby had two regular season losses. I mean, it had to have been years since Derby's yeah. had two regular season losses. You know, I, I don't think this is hyperbole to say that maybe the biggest matchup in this region next week for the entire year is Mays and Hutchinson because they're both the front runners for the Division One ABCTL title. And that game is happening this coming weekend for a chance at that title. Which, uh, that's, a, that's a huge game. Who would have thought about that? I mean, Hutchinson at, at six and one. Hutchinson, by the way, for people who are wondering, does not play Derby this year. In fact, I'm not for sure. Was that one of the games that maybe got canceled? I don't remember. Looking at the weeks, I don't think that that's the case. But, I mean, Hutchinson under Mike Vernon, what a turnaround. You know, Hutchinson, of course, under Coach Dryling, had been an absolute monster for a number of years. Ryan Cornelison came in and had one nine-win season, fairly decent, but never really got the Salthawks to where they were really a state contender year in and year out. I remember there, you know, before I started doing the games, 5A battles with Bishop Carroll each and every year, moved up to 6A, successful at each class. They're back down to 5A this year. Hutchinson is for real. They have played in tough games, several one-possession wins, Valley Center, Garden City, Mays South, and Newton earlier in the year. This is a big measuring stick game because I think Mays has played a better schedule than Hutchinson has. But this is a measuring stick game for Mike Vernon and the Salthawks to see where they stack up against the Mays Eagles. Going for a perfect season uh, up there in in the uh, suburbs of Wichita. Great story here for for Sedgwick County and, and obviously South Central Kansas. I know Hutchinson isn't quite in our demographic, but you know close enough. Uh, huge local matchup coming up next week for sure. And as you said, Derby falls to three and two on the season. They play May South uh, this coming weekend. Uh, I am glad, Blake, that you are here this week and not Weston, uh, because I would have had to hear from it from him. His alma mater, the Andale Indians, defeated my alma mater, the Clearwater oh, Indians. Oh yeah, I forgot the Battle with of the a, Tribes. Yep, with a forty to twenty-one victory over Clearwater Jeez. in Class Three A. So Andale stayed perfect. Clearwater, you know, started the season off really well. They fell to Collegiate last week, and then of course they fell to Andale uh, just a few days ago. But this is a really competitive Clearwater team, and probably the most competitive that we've seen from the Indians at Clearwater in a long time. Uh, but obviously, Andale is a juggernaut. Uh, and so, of course, they continue to look like uh, the top-ranked team in Class 3A, the Andale Indians do. A couple of uh, other um, uh, highlights from last week. Uh, it was the battle in Andover. Andover took down, I'm sorry, Andover Central took down Andover High School by a score of 7-0. to zero. It was a first-quarter touchdown by Andover Central. And that was the only score for the rest of the game as the Jaguars beat the Trojans by a score of seven to zero. Uh, So that happened uh, last weekend as well. As we look ahead to this coming weekend in prep football, Heights is on the road taking on Southeast in the City League. West travels to take on the Blue Aces. Uh, East as they look to bounce back from that loss against Northwest uh, from a few days ago. Newton travels to campus. May South, as I mentioned, travels to Derby. Uh, And then, of course, you've got a few other matchups that we get to. South on the road uh, taking on Northwest. 
uh, in the City League as well. Uh, any other big matchups that you want to mention? I know we talked about the Mays and Hutchinson matchup. That's a big one. Anything else stand out to you? Well, I, I did want to point out the, the going back to Clearwater. You know, they're not that far removed from Clearwater being you know one and eight. Back in yeah. 2017, the last yep. year for uh, Dirk Ankerholz and Jeremy Schuffler has come in. I believe that's his name. It's been a while. I I I interviewed him because I called the Wellington games for like a season and a half on you know a whim. I I went down there and it was a lot of fun to cover the Wellington games. Shout out to you, Jamie, if if you're watching the show. Um, but you know Clearwater has played a tough schedule this year. Sure. They've got you know. Mulvane is typically a good team. Wichita Collegiate, by the way, can we give some love to my boy, Troy Black, my color analyst for Wichita Force football back in the day. How was that? I'll have to bust out wow. my polos and my championship rings. My color analyst for the indoor professional Wichita football, they're 7-0, and the Spartans are this year. Yeah. They blew out Halstead. Collegiate and Andale, to me, is the huge game. That's coming up this week. Uh, Wichita Collegiate versus Andale. Um, but Collegiate blew out Mulvane by 56, blew out Wellington by 53, and then impressive win over Clearwater. Uh, Troy Black has tried to build this program up. Collegiate has been kind of in the doghouse for a while. Uh, this is a real team, and I got to watch them play Wellington firsthand before we were ripped off the air. Allied Media Partners, RIP Amp. 28 to 7 was that loss last year. That was a really talented Wichita Collegiate team at Class 3A. Troy Black has them going in the right direction. They finished last year slowly after starting 4 0. They're finishing strong this year, and Coach Black has got them moving in the right direction. That's going to be a heck of a battle between the Spartans and the Indians coming up this week. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And uh, yeah, hats off to the Spartans. We've, we haven't really mentioned a lot about Collegiate on this program. No, uh, we should. We, we really, really should. Because they're, they're an incredibly strong football program. That's that, uh, By sure. the way, that is for the ABCTL Division Four Championship. Andale 4-0, Collegiate 4-0. So your Indians are going to finish third unless you know they lose their last game. Um, yeah, to Rose Hills also two and three. I don't know if they've played. We don't do like we don't do that much research on this show, but um, that, that's going to be a hell of a game. Collegiate Andale winner has a perfect season and a league championship, and uh, the loser will have a little extra motivation going into. I think they're both three A for the three A playoffs. Obviously, the stakes are getting high and uh, continuing to go higher week in and week out in the prep football scene. Of course, we'll have more information next week and we'll recap uh, those those games on the next episode of Keeper of the Games. And that's going to bring us to the end of this program. Blake, I have to tell you that um, while you are not Jeff Goodman, <laughs> uh, you no. are a serviceable co-host. No, I'm, I'm kidding. You, you, you know? are great. Appreciate you being here again. Like I said, I, 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 it's always great to be the third man on a, on a two-man show. <laughs> You're more than a third man, Blake. You, uh, you, you, you Congrats, definitely. Weston. I know he'll, he'll be, he'll be back in a couple weeks, but, uh, you know, he's got to get, he'll have to get his napping schedule down. Or maybe For he can sure. bring the baby on. Maybe when he comes back, he'll bring the baby on camera. You can, you get three man it that way. Well, yeah. The, and you know, just by default, the baby will be the, the cutest part of the show. I mean, yeah, yeah. more so without than me or him or you. Yeah. Without a doubt. I think one time I had my dog on the show and that was like, she was You're pretty obsessed cute, with your dog. 
I mean, I like even going back when we I were like old, my dog. What uh, do you, you want me to say? Yeah, you you do like your dog. You're right. Yeah. That's an inside joke that only will get. But yeah, <laughs> you, you you I remember. You know, you uh, even when we were working together, it was all about your dog. I was like, yeah, it's a dog. Great, awesome. I don't you have know. kids. What what can I say? My dogs are my kids. Uh-huh. Um, but that that's a different story for for a different uh-huh. time. Want to remind you to hit subscribe that way. Anytime you have a brand, we have a brand new episode. You'll get a notification. Again, you can listen on all major platforms: iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all of them out there to listen to these episodes. You can watch full episodes on YouTube and Facebook by searching for Keeper of the Games, and you can go to our new website, cogsports.com, kogsports.com. We would really appreciate you going there and checking out uh, the new website. Uh, and then, of course, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod, at K-O-G-Pod. Blake, hit them with your Twitter handle. At B-E-Crips, B-E-C-R-I-P-P-S on Twitter. You can follow me anytime at Tweets from Tommy. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Keeper of the Games. For Blake Crips, I'm Tommy Caster. Take care. You've been listening to Keeper of the Games with Tommy Caster and Weston Mills. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games and follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod. That's K-O-G-Pod. 